Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results from yesterday's games and headlines, as well as get into today's betting slate. We're also talking about what games are on and which bets we like for the day. Now, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many, many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and it works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. The Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. So the website is also in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on our live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account to get started and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years age to do so. So yesterday's recap, very rough day overall. Uh, two, four, and one as far as our plays go. 0 and three on the player prop side. Uh, we're not going to get too much into it. Let's highlight the the high points of yesterday. Boston money line over the Pirates and then the Swiss plus five and a half. They cashed versus Canada. And then we had Oakland and Texas under nine, and that one ended up pushing a few of our less noteworthy results. The Braves losing, St. Louis and Colorado missing, and then the Liberty and Sky shooting the lights out in game one to go over 166 and a half. Now, let's talk about yesterday's results. There was plenty of MLB on yesterday, uh, but that was almost all that was on yesterday besides those two WNBA playoff games. Uh, we did see the Reds win one to nothing over the Phillies. The Cubs won three to two over the Nationals. The Twins won four to nothing over the Royals. The Jays won six to one over the Orioles. The Mariners won eleven to seven over the Angels. The Padres dominated the Marlins ten to three. We also saw, as we said, Boston won eight to three over the Pirates. The Yankees eight seven over the Rays. The Guardians eight to four over the Tigers. The Mets nine to seven versus the Braves. The Cardinals 5-1 over the Rockies. The A's 7-2 over the Rangers. The Astros 3-2 over the White Sox. 2-1 the Dodgers over the Brewers. And to cap it off, the Diamondbacks beat the Giants 3-2. Now, the New York Liberty with a massive upset yesterday in the WNBA playoffs over the Chicago Sky. They win 98-91. Sabrina Ionescu, first playoff game, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Incredible job by her. Candace Parker with the double-double, 17 and 10, but it was not enough in game one. The Aces also won game one, 79 to 63. Was not the prettiest game to watch unless you love watching teams shoot 41 and 31% from the field. Uh, but the Aces win 79 to 63, led by Kelsey Plum, who had 22 points, five rebounds, and four assists. This depleted Mercury team 
Diamond to Shields did what she could, 18 points, 8 rebounds, but unfortunately not enough. Uh, she couldn't have enough support from the rest of the team. Then in World Juniors action yesterday, to cap things off for yesterday, uh, we saw Finland win 5-2 over the Germany. We saw Sweden win 2-1 over Latvia. Canada won 6-3 over the Swiss. And then in a massive upset, the Czech Republic take down the United States 4-2. No one was expecting that result. So now we're going to have very interesting semifinal matchups moving forward. Now let's look forward to today's games as there are plenty on the slate. Um, We're going to start with our golf plays for the day because the BMW Championship, if you're listening to our live show right now, the tee times start in 20 minutes time. So keep an eye out for these plays. Now our two winner plays for this week. These are both half unit plays. Patrick Cantley plus 1600. He's the defending champion here at this event. And then Rory McIlroy at plus 1100. Yes, he's the favorite, but he also finished top five last year at this event. Then we've got a top five play. We almost never do top fives, but the way this guy's playing, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Tony Finau plus 320 to finish top five. The guy's been on fire and cashed for us again last week. So we're rolling with him to finish even better in the top five this week. Then top 10, we have Will Zalatoris, the winner from a week ago at plus 160. And then we have Sam Burns plus 205. Both guys have been playing some great golf this year. Will picking up the win last week. Burns won three times already this year on tour. So we're rolling with both those guys in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then Billy Horschel plus 170 and Sepp Straka plus 295 to finish top 20. Always a fan of Horschel, especially at this BMW Championship. And Straka's coming off finishing second in that playoff to Will Zalatoris. So we're anticipating that he's going to have a big week as well. Now, MLB-wise, we've got the Rockies and Cardinals today. Cardinals are minus 220 uh, with Wainwright on the mound. Staying away from this game today, we got burned here yesterday. Rangers and A's, we got Dunning versus Logue. Don't love the Rangers minus 190, especially after everything regarding the firings of presidents and everyone else that was involved with the Rangers organization yesterday. So we're staying away there. Astros and White Sox, we'll talk about in a little bit. They're a part of our betting card. The Dodgers and Brewers, Haney versus Burns today. I'm fading this game altogether. Haney, uh, he's 1-0 and since coming back from uh, his injury. And then you've got Burns 8-5 and on the year. He is the ace for this Brewers team. Over under 7.5. Dodgers are minus 115. Staying away altogether. Orioles are minus 155 versus the Diamondbacks. Uh, we're going to talk about this one in a little bit. Uh, sorry, Giants, Diamondbacks in a little bit. Orioles, Cubs, we got Watkins and Samson going. Then we've got Red Sox and Pirates. Uh, Red Sox are minus 150 today, waiting a little bit of time here for that game. They're a part of our betting card today. Then we got the Yankees, minus 145 versus the Jays. Montes versus Berrios. Over-unders, eight and a half, but the Yankees aren't playing great baseball right now. The Jays aren't either, staying away altogether. The Rays, minus 220 versus the Royals. Patino on the mound versus Keller. Uh, I do like the Rays, but not enough to bet them the run line today. I do like the over seven in that game, though. And then we got Freed versus 
I DeGrom, Braves, they are underdogs at home. Once again, the Mets are minus 125. We got burned here yesterday, so we're staying away. And then Padres are minus 400 versus the Nationals today. They might be a part of our betting card here right away as well. Then we got the Dallas Wings. They're plus nine and a half versus the Connecticut Sun. We've seen already that upsets can happen. Arika Bungawale, she is playing great basketball, as is this Wings team heading into the playoffs. So they'll be a part of our betting card as well. And then Washington Mystics, they're plus four versus Seattle today. I don't know which direction to go with this one. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. So I'm staying away from that game today. So let's get into the early hedge five in and out of here in 10 minutes with our betting card, starting with Dallas plus nine and a half versus Connecticut. As I said, they're playing great basketball heading into the playoffs. And so I really like them to have a great result today. Don't know if they're going to win outright, but they're definitely going to play them very tight. Then we have the White Sox plus one and a half versus the Astros. Giolito versus Garcia. Just because they have Giolito on the mound, I think they're going to keep it very close. Could be a one-run game. They might even win outright, but I'm rolling with the White Sox plus one and a half today. San Francisco money line versus Arizona is minus 145. You got Logan Webb on the mound today for the Giants at home versus Zach Gallen. Overall, I just like this San Francisco team a lot more, and the fact that they're at home gives them that little bit of a bump. So I am rolling today with the Giants at home. Webb is 11-5 and on the year with a 3 ERA. Then we're going Boston Moneyline once again versus the Pirates today. It cashed yesterday. We're going to hope so today as well. Uh, we got Josh Winchowski today. Uh, he's 5-5 five and five on the year with a 4.69 ERA. Taking on Bryce Wilson, 2-7 and seven with a near 6 ERA. Boston's the better team. They need to pick up a lot of these games. Uh, I felt like they had to sweep this series in order to be taken seriously in the playoff race. They win today, and they will do so. And then to cap it off, San Diego Padres minus 2.5 versus the Washington Nationals. How can you not? You got Yu Darvish on the mound, who's 10-6 and six with a 3.4 ERA. Taking on Annabelle Sanchez, 0-5, 7.2 ERA. It's only minus 110 for the minus 2.5. But I think the Padres are going to blow them out today. They need to pick up some results. They haven't played some great baseball. And this is much like the Boston one where I think they have a great opportunity to do so in this series with the Nationals. But thanks everyone who tuned into our live show. If you're listening to our audio podcast version of the show, we have our LA Rams preview coming up as well. So definitely give that a listen. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. It is August 18th which means our 18th NFL team preview is upon us. Now, the discussion yesterday was all about the Las Vegas Raiders, a playoff team last year in the AFC that got better, but their division got better. Now we're heading back to the NFC, and we are talking about the best team from a season ago. There's no doubt about it. They were the team that went on and won the Super Bowl at home over the Cincinnati Bengals. That is the Los Angeles Rams. Now, I'm running solo today to talk about those Los Angeles Rams, but this is certainly a fun team to discuss. Great fantasy value, maybe some betting value as well out there for you. So we're going to get right into talking about the LA Rams and how better to start it off than recap that last season, the season that they went on and won their first Super Bowl in a long time. Now, their 85th season overall, 
They went 12 and five in the regular season, which was two games better than the year prior. Now the team started seven and one, they looked great, but then they lost three in a row. They went into that mid season slump and people started to panic a bit about the Rams. That was before they went on to win five of their last six regular season games. They locked up a playoff spot as the fourth seed in the NFC. Now, they go on to beat their division rival, the Arizona Cardinals, in the wildcard game in an absolute blowout, 34-11. to They then beat Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champs, 30-27 to in the divisional round. Then they beat the 49ers, another division foe in the NFC Championship, 20-7, to and they capped it off beating the Bengals in SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl, 23-20. to Now, the exciting part about last year was that there was three key players that came in that all had a major impact on their season. You have to start with Matt Stafford, the new quarterback that they brought in. They moved on from Jared Goff, traded for Stafford, and said, we're going all in with a guy that has been great in this league for many years, but has not had the team around him. They also went out in November and got Von Miller from the Denver Broncos who were a team that was not winning, and they were looking to get out from under Von Miller's contract. And then Odell Beckham Jr. a couple weeks later joins the Cleveland from the Cleveland Browns after they released him. And Odell caught a touchdown pass in that Super Bowl game. He was great down the stretch. Unfortunately, he did suffer an injury in that game, but he gets a ring and that changes the entire trajectory of his career. Now the offseason moves. The Rams do lose their offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. That'll happen when you're a championship team. He becomes the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Robert Woods is no longer a Ram. He's now a Tennessee Titan. Sixth round pick for Robert Woods, but he was hurt most of last year. So not a major loss there. Draft-wise, they went out and got a guard in Logan Bruss in the third round. They added a corner in the fourth. And then Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame, comes over in the fifth round this will happen when you're building a team the way that the rams are loading up on veteran guys trading draft picks in exchange and so they didn't have a first or second rounder this year and they won't have many picks in the coming years no odell beckham jr as of now coming back to this team i do see him as a potential re-sign a little bit down the road once he's healthy but the rams did go out and added Allen robinson to their wide receiver core He's going to come in and be the wide receiver too from day one, and that's a huge addition for the Rams. Now, the training camp question mark has to do with that quarterback, Matt Stafford, that he mentioned earlier. The shoulder, there are reports that he has shoulder inflammation in camp, which could be an issue. Now, we heard this from Dak Prescott last year coming out of Cowboys camp, and he went on to play a full season. It sounds like the team has decreased his workload to get him ready for that opener against the Bills. I do think that he's going to be healthy for week one. He seems to be from all the reports that I'm reading, but early reports out of camp were that he had that shoulder issue. If it becomes an issue down the road, it can throw a a wrench into your plans as far as bets go from a future perspective. Now, they are the favorites to win the NFC West once again. A healthy Matt Stafford, I have no doubt in my mind the Rams win this division once again. But it is very close from Vegas' perspective, given you have the 49ers at plus 165, the Cardinals at plus 350, and then Seattle are a distant 15-to-1 odds. Now, 
The 49ers have Trey Lance. We'll see if he can perform in his second year. You got the Cardinals, no DeAndre Hopkins for six games. Kyler just got paid. How are they going to look? Seattle, we're not even worried about them winning this division with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. So I think as of now, the Rams are the best bet to win this division. I'm not sure if I'm going to put money down because of those early Stafford reports. But if you're going to bet on somebody, then I think it is the Rams and Matt Stafford. Now, the bet that I do like, the over-under win total, I'm in on 10.5 wins, minus 112 on either side of this one. Division-wise, I think our worst-case scenario here is that the Rams win four games. You should sweep Seattle with ease, San Francisco and Arizona. At worst, you split with both of them. And so I think four and two is very doable. You open with Buffalo, very tough game. They're already road favorites at minus two and a half. Then you get Atlanta. Worst case scenario, you're coming out of that at one and one. But then the rest of their schedule is a bit of a battle. You do play Dallas. You get the entire NFC South with Carolina, Tampa, and New Orleans. You also get the AFC West. So you get the Kansas City, Vegas, Broncos, and Chargers, and then the Green Bay Packers. Now, on paper, it looks tough. I think you can beat three out of the four teams in the NFC South. That takes you to seven wins. Then you just have to play 500 football in the rest of those games. Dallas is a team that you can get. Kansas City is weaker than years past. Still unsure about the Raiders. Green Bay, we don't know about their weapons. And then Denver and the Chargers, who knows whether you can knock them off. But I believe in them to get to 11 wins. I think they're battle-tested. There's a reason why they won the Super Bowl, because they're one of the best teams in the league. And I think they have the potential to pull it off. Even though they only have three really bad teams on their schedule, two of which are Seattle in their own division. Now let's talk fantasy value. Matthew Stafford, he's going just past the Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady range, but he's just ahead of Trey Lance and Derek Carr. I love the ADP on Matt Stafford because I can rely on him week to week. That's what I'm looking for if I'm punting quarterback down the road. You can get Stafford in the ninth or 10th round, along with the Rodgers, the Cars, and people like that. But he's in a good offense. He has a good run game. He is a great offensive-minded head coach in Sean McVay. You already have Cooper Cup, the triple crown from a year ago, as your number one target, bringing in Allen Robinson, a reliable tight end in Tyler Higby. I love Matthew Stafford from a fantasy perspective, given that I'm the type of guy to wait a little bit to draft quarterback. Running back-wise, Cam Akers, ADP of 34. You're looking at late third round, early fourth round for Cam Akers. He was great last year when healthy, then he got hurt. He was hurt the year prior. So this is a guy that I like. He played great in the playoffs. He seems to get the bulk of the carries but they also drafted the rookie running back. I don't think he has fantasy value, but Daryl Henderson potentially does in that backfield as well. His ADP is 138. You're looking at an 11th, 12th round guy. Given Cam Akers' injury history, if you're looking for a good handcuff, Daryl Henderson might be it. He will still get a few carries in this offense, even with Akers there. Don't love him week to week. I would not be drafting him hoping to play him at your flex spot every week. If you draft Daryl Henderson, you're hoping for an injury. Not that you ever hope for one, but fantasy-wise, you might in this case. When we get to wide receiver, Cooper Cup, 
you're looking at a mid first round pick to get Cooper cup. He's coming off one of the best wide receiver seasons in NFL history, not only from a fantasy perspective, but just in general. Now, I don't know if I love Cooper cup in fantasy this year, not because I don't think he's going to be a top five wide receiver. It's the fact that I believe very wholeheartedly in drafting running back in the first round. And so what I'm giving up in order to get a Cooper cup is a Dalvin cook is a Najee Harris is a Joe Mixon is an Alvin Kamara. And there's not many of those guys out there. I'm not saying there's many Cooper cups either, but I would rather be drafting those Dalvin Najee Kamara picks and then waiting around to go and get Stefan Diggs to get Tyreek Hill to get Debo Samuel. That's why I don't love Cooper Cup being that early in the first round. If you're drafting at eight or nine and you see Cooper Cup sitting there, awesome. I go out and draft him easily. Late first round, swing around, I get a solid running back like the mix in Swifts of the world. But if he, you, he is there at five and you have these other running backs, avoid Cooper Cup because in that second round, you can still get a potential top five receiver and also get a great running back there. Allen Robinson, I don't know what to make of this guy. We're talking about probably the most disappointing draft pick in fantasy last year. He was hurt part of the year. You wasted the third round pick on him in a bad Bears offense. So now he's behind Amari Cooper and Hollywood Brown, but he's ahead of Brandon Cooks and Chris Godwin. This feels like a good area to draft a guy like this. Now, if you want to go and get a team's number one wide receiver, go ahead and get Amari and Cooks. They're not in great situations, but they're guys that week to week will get the targets because there's not a lot of other options. If you want the team's number twos, you can get Hollywood. You can get Godwin. Godwin's in a great offense with Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Hollywood's in a great offense with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Allen Robinson being in the fifth round worries me, but if he falls to the sixth, then I feel completely content on drafting an Allen Robinson to play at my flex spot every week. I have confidence that with a much better quarterback that isn't named Andy Dalton, that isn't named Nick Foles, that isn't named Justin Fields, can go out and get it done for you. So I like Allen Robinson if he's my flex play wide receiver. If you punt wide receiver down the road, if you go three or four running backs, you need that wide receiver one or two. I lean more towards the Cooks and Amari because you know you're getting the number one option on a team and you feel more confident that he's going to have consistent week-to-week targets. And then Tyler Higby, the tight end. He's tight end 17. Last year, he was tight end 14. I had him as a top 10 tight end. He missed a couple games, probably would have got there, but unfortunately couldn't play the full schedule. Week-to-week, you don't love Tyler Higby. If you're drafting Tyler Higby, he's probably your second tight end. You're playing him alongside Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry, uh, Dawson Knox, and then you're playing matchups. And you're hoping that Higby catches a touchdown because best case scenario for a Higby is five catches for 50, 60 yards. So PPR-wise, it's fine. But if you get the touchdown, you get a great week from Tyler Higby. That's what you get with him. That's what you should expect from him. And don't expect any more or you're getting greedy and you're having to draft him late anyways. So you shouldn't be that greedy in round 14 and 15. So what would my expectations of the Rams be for 2022? This is a Super Bowl or bust team. Uh, They don't have the draft capital moving forward. They're the defending champs. They're in a weak conference. 
They still have Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the world on the defensive line. Yeah, sorry, TJ Watt. It's Aaron Donald. And so this is a Super Bowl or bust team. You don't win a ring this year. You can't call it a failure because you just won it last year. It's very tough to go back to back in the NFL. And this is a very good Rams group that could win their division that we could see in the NFC Championship. If all goes well, they're back in a Super Bowl, this time not at home. And so that is my expectations for the LA Rams this year. Yes, I would love you to win a Super Bowl back-to-back years. Not that I'm a Rams fan, but going back-to-back's impressive. But nonetheless, that's where I see this Rams team going. So thank you so much to everyone who tuned into our LA Rams preview show. Tomorrow we'll be back talking Miami Dolphins with good friend of the show, Dylan Istash. And we will see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Hedge podcast.